0: Thank you, worship team. love seeing all them children. That's just, I don't like seeing them leave necessarily, but it's, it's great seeing them, so. You've uh, probably this Christmas season have read the accounts, the narratives of the nativity and all the events that surround it, and, uh, but maybe you didn't realize within that are gifts, gifts that were given, and also gifts that we're able to share with others. Gifts we receive and gifts we can give. Then they're gifts that will last. We've all, a lot of us received gifts this Christmas. Uh, my brother says, my brother works at Menards, so that's a good thing. And, and Tom says, hey, what do you want? And I'm like, well, just give me the whole section that has that. And, and, uh, but one of the things I said, Tom, I could use some saw blades. And uh, because my saw blades I have aren't lasting, and maybe you wanted clothes, and if you have a young teenage daughter, odds are pretty good that they wanted clothes. But they'll wear out, it seems in their case, maybe like really quickly. Um, Things will erode, things will break. Kids, I hate to say it, the toys you got, enjoy them, because either there'll be new ones coming along... Um, or it might break. You see, things don't last. But there are gifts that will last, and I'd like us to focus on four. Four gifts we can receive and four gifts we can give. And they're all in the gospel accounts surrounding the birth of Christ. And before we go any further, though, let's pray. Lord, I, I have to admit there's many times in my life that I can be hard of hearing more ways than one. But Lord, it's in this moment I pray that myself and my brothers and sisters would not be, but we would hear. We'd hear deep in our spirit what you want to say to us. So open our hearts, God, to receive it. Lord, that you change us, that we become more like you and be able to interact in ways, Lord, which reflect you. And so thank you for what we're about to read, and and just once again, just invite you, Holy Spirit, to have your way and to teach us. It's your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. In Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 32, kind of a longer account. I'd like to read it, though. God had been silent to Israel for some 300 plus years. No prophetic voice. No word from God. And they yearned for one. They waited. They waited for the Messiah. And they waited more. And they waited more. There was an old man who waited and waited. And he looked and he yearned for the coming of the Messiah. Let's read about him. Luke two twenty one. And when eight days were completed before circumcision, his circumcision, name, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he, has, he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child to G, in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, thou dost let thy, th- thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. Which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people, Israel. And as Israel, as God's people, waited for the Messiah, they lived in the fear of the crafty and cruel King Herod. And many were wondering if Jesus would ever come, if the Messiah would ever come. And for them, life was dark and despairing. I imagine there are a lot of questions that they had. And their hope was waning. But then enter enter Simeon. The Spirit of God had whispered to Simeon that his tired eyes would see the Messiah, that he would behold the Anointed One. I appreciated David Jeremiah's thoughts and his little devotion on Christmas as he tries to paint the picture of what that moment must have been like. He says this, For years he has watched and waited. The priests no longer even register his presence. To them, he's just some old man living under a delusion. Let him have his fairy tale because it gives him something to hang on to. But today, Simeon cannot suppress his smile. Let people stare, for today is the second time that the Spirit of God has whispered to him. The message? Go to the temple, old friend. So here he comes, creaking along, panting for breath, Clacking his walking stick on the polished floor. And as he arrives, Simeon scans the activities of the temple. And for some time, he sees nothing unusual. But then he sees a young couple arrive with their baby boy. And he knows. Kind of a neat moment to try to envision. But with the coming of Christ, Simeon had something. Even in the midst of all the darkness and questions, it was, it was called Hope. Hope. That's a needed gift. We need hope. We live in such a weird, some ways warped culture. There's not a times we don't read the news or turn on the news and think, even so, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> hope. What a significant thing. Simeon had been looking and waiting, yet with assurance, he was given the gift of hope. If we were to go into Luke twenty-four later in the Gospel of Luke, we find two guys on the road to Emmaus. Jesus shows up, starts walking with him, and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And he shared, have you not heard about these events that have been taking place? And they share with him, and then they say this, we were hoping. We were hoping he was the one. I mean, hope. What a significant thing in our lives. And some people, when they get near the end of their life, they, I hope, I just hope my good outweighs my bad. Or I hope that things will get better. I hope, I hope, I hope. And in the Christmas account, we have the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, comes and he gives the gift of hope. Because hope isn't tied to circumstances. and It's tied to a person. It will always be that way. Outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Period. I mean, there's no way to paint a different picture because it's true. In Matthew 1, 18 through 23, as we go back to another account surrounding the birth of Christ, we read these words. Matthew 1, 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follow. When his mother Mary had been, been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with the child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. When he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For what which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son. She'll call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place. That was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I mean, even Jesus' name gives hope. God with us. Even in the darkest times, Emmanuel, God with us, it gives you and I hope. Even Christians who struggle, even when you're beat down, even when you're disillusioned, even when you're sick, he gives hope. It's tied to a person. It's not tied to circumstances. That's why Paul says in Titus 2.13, we look forward to our blessed hope. I mean, that's what we look forward to, Christ, our blessed hope. And that's also, by the way, a gift we can share. That's a gift we must share. That's a gift we're called to share. Hope, our hope in Christ. To a world that's hopeless, that's looking for something to anchor their soul, that does not have Christ as a cornerstone. We can offer that and say there is hope. It's not in your circumstances, not in a political field or arena. It's in a person. It's in Christ. That's the gift we can share. Because one of the gifts that will last is hope. It's a great gift. Sorry, some words just aren't coming. We're trying here. A second gift, gift of love. If I say God loves you, you're like, well, Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, that's not new to me. Can we keep moving on? But if you've experienced his personal, powerful, and passionate love for you, it's transformed you. I mean, love is why he came. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. 1 John 4, 19, we love only because he first loved us. You see, love came down to the manger. Love motivated the son to become flesh. And whenever and wherever we receive God's sacrificial love, and whenever and wherever we share his love, we give a gift that will last. Love is a gift received. It needs to be received. But it's a gift that also needs to be given. A good evaluation might be, as as we're reading through Luke, another passage in an account, wonderful. We're not going to break it down as much as it would be good to do. But there's a situation where a woman is brought before Jesus and she comes and sits at his feet and with her hair and her tears, wipes his feet. And then in Luke 7, verse 47, Jesus makes an er interesting statement. He says, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. I mean, there's a principle there. I mean, the more we receive, embrace, and keep grace in the equation of our life, the more we love one another. That moment we forget grace and we forget all we're saved from, when we begin to think that we got this thing together and that we can kind of carry out our righteousness and and our works are really, really good and we begin to get a self-righteousness start to creep in, we lose sight of grace and it affects how we treat other people. He who is forgiven much, loves much. That's a principle. It's a gift of love. We receive gift of love. We receive it first, we extend it second. And you and I have a chance to receive a gift that will last, and to give a gift that will last. You receive that gift by receiving the person of Jesus Christ. God demonstrates his own love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his own kind of love. And those who call upon him to save him receive a gift of love, a gift they can now extend. And how do we extend that love? How do we give that gift of love to other people? Here's some other words about what love looks like according to scriptures. It looks like forgiveness. Looks like a kind word. Time given. Prayers offered. A hug. A card sent. Patience. Commitment. Understanding. All ways you and I can give a gift of love. We give gifts of love to God. Maybe you haven't thought about that. As you sit here and you worship God in song and in the meditations of your heart, you're loving God. You're giving a gift of praise to God. We love God by serving him. We love God by obedience. Jesus was really clear. He who has my commands and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. We show our love for God by obedience. And I wonder what difference would it make if all the meetings and activities that make up the curriculum of our lives were driven by a passionate love for God and allowing that love to splash over into other people's lives, to drench other people with the love of Christ. There was a college student around Christmas time, and she was having a conversation with a friend. And she said, I had the best Christmas ever. And her friend said, That's, a, that's great. You must have got some pretty cool gifts. And she said, Yeah, I did but that's not why it was great. That's not what made it special. She said, what made it special is I'm 20 years old, and for the first time in my life, mom and dad didn't get into a big fight this year. Wow. Who would have thought that would be the greatest gift she could receive? You see, it was the best Christmas she says she ever had. And whenever there's tenderness... Whenever there's caring in our families, under the roofs of our home and in the family of God, we give a gift that will last. It's called love. It's one of the greatest things Jesus said. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13 is love's demonstrative. And so as we receive the love of Christ, we give it. It's a gift that will last. We also have the gift of joy. Luke 2. Back to Luke 2. 8 through 11. I love reading about these shepherds. They just intrigue me. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Notice again, joy tied to a person, Christ. Now, as I think about shepherding, it's one of those occupations many needed, but no one desired. I mean, life with the sheep lent itself to tired feet, long work shifts, and unwanted aromas. Had have been certainly a lonely job. And think about a shepherd. For him, a good night is a boring night. I mean, he doesn't want any activity. That means someone's attacking the flock. And so he longs for the boring. Think about that. Last time you longed for a boring night, um, but that's what they did. That was the extent of their occupation. But what we read about the shepherds, these most privileged persons, they were the first hearers, the first believers, the first preachers. I mean, the honor reserved for the lowliest of the low the least educated, potentially, ranch hands, and on that night, they were favored by heaven. They received a gift, but it was found in a person, they said. When that Savior comes, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Joy. First, we read in this account that they're afraid, that there's awe. That's their first initial reaction, the emotion. But then there's astonishment, Joyful praise. As a matter of fact, if we go on and read, we see that the, they begin to share that. They go tell others about this. There's great joy in their life now. And when God revealed to them that the Savior had come, it transformed them. Their lives now had great joy. The message they were given brought a message, a gift of joy. That's why there's a lot of Christmas songs about joy. It's because it's a joyous event. It's a, it's, it's, the joy is a gift given by God that we can now have. Joy in the Greek means to rejoice and be glad. It's what we would think it to mean. And here joy equals good news. But it's not just joy. It's great joy. And the word great means mega. I call it supersized. I mean, you go into McDonald's and you order a meal, you're getting a meal, whether it's Good or not as debatable, but you're getting a meal, but you can supersize it and make it much bigger, much more filling and in a far greater way. It's a supersized joy. This isn't just a happiness, a circumstantial joy. it's a mega-joy that Jesus Christ gives. And it's not just for a few select. We're told it's for all people. You see, the good news is excitingly exciting because God is bringing about the solution to the sin problem. It's for all people. In God's mega joy, his message was never intended to just be for one group of people or one part of the world. It truly is joy to the world. The shepherds, they had the same job. They had the same income. They had the same struggles. It wasn't their circumstances that changed. It was the good news. That Jesus had come. Verse 11 says he's the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, Yahweh. You see, Christ changes everything. And if you're looking for your circumstances to change to get joy, you're looking in the wrong place. They might not. If you're looking for a better report or looking for a better job and you think somehow, some way that will bring you joy, you'll be disappointed. Because it's not found in the circumstances. It's found in a person. Matter of fact, 1 Peter 1.8 tells us those who love and believe in Jesus, they're filled with what he calls an inexpressible joy. Do you have that deep-seated joy from knowing Jesus Christ? I need to ask you that. It's a gift to be received first. Joy. And it will last through the difficult times. And it's inexpressible, which means somebody might ask you and say, you know what, you're going through an incredibly horrible time how do you do it how do you put up with all the things you do or see you in the workplace and say frustration with the supervisor how do you put up with it it seems beyond me how you could do it that's called inexpressible joy you don't know how to express it it's like it's a part of my life Christ has done it I, I got nothing for you other than him he's the one who brings inexpressible joy but that joy is also meant to be shared just like the shepherds did The good news is meant to be shared. We need to let others know how this experience of forgiveness, how we can experience and live forever with God, which ultimately where joy is. That's why the angels break out in a party when one sinner repents. Many of us are surrounded with people who have no joy. For them, life is a dark, dreary, hopeless, purposelessness life. They need Jesus, or they'll never have anything that's lasting. And it's so crucial that you and I stay close to God, that we stay in his word, that we're able to look forward with expectancy, and we keep close to God by being in his presence, because we'll be able to experience joy in increasing measure in greater ways, and we'll be able to share it with other people. There's another gift. So we have this gift of Hope. We receive it, we give it. We have this gift of love. We receive it, we give it. We have this gift of joy. We can receive it by trusting Christ as our Savior, but we can also tell others how they too can have this joy. There's a fourth gift. I find it in Luke 2.14. You got these angels who show up. Not just one or two. We're told there's a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth... Peace among men with whom he is pleased. There's another gift that's called peace. You see, there's a calmness. There's a stability. There's a steadiness that Jesus can bring into a life. And that's why I think we like, to be honest, I think a lot of people, even unbelievers, are drawn to that Christmas time. There's a warmth there. Turn on the Christmas lights, the nice Christmas music, even if they've never even really entertained the words. There's, there's a little more quietness in their life that they find appealing. It's not going to last outside of Christ, but for those moments, they enjoy it. They enjoy being with family, (laughs) we hope. Um, But there still remains inner turmoil that never seems to fade for many people. For some, it's the next big event, the next party, and so on. And they're trying desperately to ignore this absence of peace in their life, and so they stay like a gerbil, on the wheel and just keep giving her, hoping either it'll bring peace or ignoring the turmoil within it. And they find themselves empty. Because peace is not found in things. It's not found in events. It's found in a person. Jesus Christ. And Christmas, to me, is a dramatic reminder that Christ came into the world to redeem us and to bring peace to a troubled souls in a troubled world. My sister who Read that passage, was hitting it right on. He brings peace. Christmas brings a gift. It's one that won't break. It's peace. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, and with others. And as you sit here, I hope you can praise God for peace. Peace that he makes possible. Because we can have peace with God. Peace comes to those who please God, the text says. When we aren't at peace, it's not because God has moved it's not because anything God has done. If we're not at peace, there's something on our, our end of it. You see, the Christmas story is about God's rescue mission. And the Bible uses such words as alienated, separated, dead, hostile, hardened toward God, wandered, lost. All speak of separateness. All speak of aloneness and turmoil. But God has a gift. Peace. He gives a peace. Peace with God starts there. If you don't have peace with God... Good luck with the rest of it, because it won't be there. Only Christ can really bring peace. And to experience this peace, we need to live in a way of pleasing God. We won't be at peace if we rebel against God. God will make sure of that. A conviction of the Holy Spirit is not a fun thing to live with, and we probably can all think of times that has happened. So God gives a peace, Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have peace with God. And you know what? We can have peace with ourselves. This is a tough journey. It has been for me and maybe for you as well. I mean, I have a lot of gr- regrets when I look back. Things I did and, or didn't do that I wish I would have done different. Directions and paths I took that I wish I would have taken another one. People I hurt. And I look back and, and, and maybe you're like me and you, you're filled with regrets and sometimes maybe even have a hard time forgiving yourself for what you've done. Maybe others have, but you're just having a difficult time. You know, it's through Christ where we can finally have peace with ourselves. Not that what we didn't do wasn't hurtful, or not that what we didn't do didn't have an impact in circumstances, but we can know we're forgiven. We can know that when the Bible says we can have new life, God meant it. All things have become new, and we can be peace with ourselves. I hope you are experiencing that peace I don't know about you, but I find it a great gift to know that I'm accepted, to know that I have assurance in my life of who I am in Christ, who he created me to be, and peace of my future. And you know you have peace, how? When times aren't peaceful, right? I mean, you know you have peace when things aren't going real well. You know you have peace when you look at your life and, 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 and all the different things that make up the curriculum of your life aren't necessarily always good. That's when you know you've got peace. And according to Philippians, it's a peace people don't even understand. It's peace that passes all understanding. That means those co-workers and, and people, your neighbors who don't know Christ will look at your life and say, you know, I don't understand. It's the peace of God. It's beyond understanding. And be frankly honest, in certain circumstances of our life, you're like, how the heck can I be at peace right now? I mean, I should be really torn up in this situation, but God gives a peace. We can be at peace with ourselves. And of course, we can be at peace with others. Luke 2.14 says, peace among men. means like with each other. If you want to give a gift that will last, go in a spirit of love. Fix broken relationships in your life. Paul says, pursue peace. As far as it depends upon you, be at Peace with all men. You see, it's a gift we can give. Peace with other people. So don't put it off. I mean, give a gift of peace. Seek peace with people. Resentment, pride, all those, to be frankly honest, we really uh, they work against us, and it's hard to give this gift without, it's impossible, actually, without the peace of God in our life. We can extend it. And the gift is made possible because of Jesus So Christ offers each of us a gift of peace with others if we will accept it. And what a precious, precious gift this is. That's why in Paul's benediction in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, his benediction starts out, may the God of peace sanctify you through and through. It's interesting how he refers to God because that process of sanctification isn't always easy. It's difficult to grow towards Jesus. We don't always do it real well. But the God of all peace, now he gets us through it. He allows us to grow through the difficult times that would potentially overwhelm us. He's a God of all peace. Four gifts we can give. Four gifts, four gifts before we can give, though, we must receive. And God offers them to each of us. Hope, love, joy, and Peace. Those are gifts that will last. They won't break forever, for eternal. So live for those things. Over the years, don't think less of me for this, by the way. Okay? One of the things that we kind of have enjoyed as me and my kids is going to the dump. Go figure. Especially Em and I, probably. Okay? Because accompanying the trip to the dump is something else snack. I'm stopping somewhere and getting a donut, probably to offset the joy of going to the dump. I don't know. Every time you go to the dump, though, you see old bikes, broken stoves, mattresses, stuff that you're trying to sneak in the dump that they'll charge you for. Okay, guilty, right? We're all guilty. Old vacuum cleaners, one time I went to the dump and there was a boy talk about visual, there was a line of trophies sitting there. I Think about it. All, even all those things that we we achieve or strive to, they're just not gonna last. But these gifts, these gifts will last. Receive them. I pray, I pray you receive these gifts by coming to Christ. And I also pray you give them. We live in a world that desperately needs us to give them. Let's be those who receive and give gifts that will last. Let's pray. Lord, in my life, I'm humbled by the fact that you've extended to me these gifts. So very, very grateful. That by trusting you, Jesus, and what you've done for me, you've given me these gifts. And I pray everybody in this room has made that decision. To trust you, the one Savior. The only one who can save. And they receive that gift. And Lord, it's not always easy to experience them in our life because we, we tend to get disillusioned and we tend to get distracted in our life. We certainly know we have an enemy who would not want us to experience these things. And Lord, what I'm praying for my brothers and sisters right now is that you would just, in a deep work of your spirit, surface these gifts more. Help them even in the difficult challenges they're facing. and Maybe 2018 isn't looking so good for them. Or maybe some of the uncertainty and questions they face. God, I pray that you bring them a refreshing peace, hope, love, joy. And Lord, in all of our lives, as those who have trusted you, might we hold those out to those around us, to our children and our neighbors and our coworkers, that they too could receive the good news and find all these gifts in you. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you what you've done for us and pray for the strength and the wisdom to share these gifts with other people so that in all things you are praised and lifted up. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.